everybody, and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of September 15th through September 21st. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Ready for fall. And Ben Lemoreux. Oh my gosh, right? Fall is the best Best season. season. This week, we've got a nice news episode for you as we discuss the new series Pokemon Generations, new Ultra Beasts from Sun and Moon, Nintendo's strategy for making mobile versus console games, Nintendo's new position for someone to enforce DMCA takedowns, Pokemon Glow's further declining numbers, tons more. It's big, big week, so you can see I'm a little flustered. Uh, shall we hit the news block? Let's shall. We shall. <laughs> Nintendo is going to continue focusing on consoles, but they recognize now that mobile is a more popular platform. Miyamoto specifically said, I love hardware platforms and Nintendo will continue to make our own hardware, but what's changed is that there was a time when Nintendo's platforms were the most popular in the world, and now we see smartphones are the most popular device in the world. So we'll keep looking for opportunities in smartphones, and when we see them, we'll design something specifically for that hardware. So I don't really have much to say there, but this was such a big shift in the way that Nintendo's been operating. I thought that it's important that we at least, you know, include it in this episode. And perhaps, Alex, maybe you could give a little more insight. I mean, it's it's an obvious observation. Nintendo's platforms are yeah. way, way, way less popular than smartphones. Um, I think what interests me most about the fact that he said it this way was, historically, we've seen Nintendo take the posture of, oh, well, we don't really care what's popular because we're going to do what we think is fun and what... Uh, what we see for our vision for entertainment and here they're taking a very different posture which is we're seeing that this is very popular and so we're going to be taking an approach that includes this thing that we weren't doing before and one of the reasons why i like that is because it it shows that they're moving beyond their sort of insular look at at the outlook for what gaming should be and where gaming should go and looking at what's happening in the world beyond their bubble yeah, absolutely. Nail on the head. Um, I guess the other nice thing about them changing that posture is we've sort of seen the fruits of this in some of their other endeavors, most notably uh, Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. where they were very hesitant to kind of do what the other uh, big action-adventure RPG-type games were doing, and yet Breath of the Wild is very much a, a game that borrows from where those types of games have been going in the last few years. And, I mean, benefits all the better for it. I mean, you know, we've talked so much about the impact it made it because yeah like, it's still a very nintendo like approach to all those things but definitely. it's not ignoring all those things which is what they right. were doing previously right. meanwhile the ceo of the pokemon company said that the nx changes what it means to be a handheld or a home console so no news there <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty much what you know we've we've all i would say more than suspected for a long time now is that nx will be a yeah, handheld definitely. that you can also hook up to your tv and treat like a home console but it's interesting because we've we've seen Nintendo executives like uh, you know the late Satoru Iwata sort of imply that something like this could happen. But this is kind of the the clearest indicator that we've gotten from any sort of official source. You know, the CEO of the Pokemon Company. It's it's not just you know uh, some website right. or or some you know insider on Twitter. It's someone really high up in the sort of Nintendo hierarchy who has access to a lot of that information saying something in a a much bolder way than Nintendo has sort of danced around so far. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I sort of immediately thought of Iwata's comments years ago. I guess it's like a year and a half ago at this point about NX being a new concept that brings together multiple play environments from around the world, specifically Mm -hmm. talking about handhelds and consoles. But he never quite came out and said that NX will change what those two form factors mean or what those formats mean. Um, The other thing, of course, the Pokemon company is going to be making games for NX. Uh, He said that in one brief sentence right after... But, you know, everyone, I'm sure, knew that. Um, He also said that the main series of Pokemon games couldn't survive on mobile devices. I don't know about you guys, but I call bull. Two years from now, everyone's going to be playing red, green, blue, yellow, gold, silver, crystal, all the way through GBA at least. On their phones. I mean, they it. kind of already are on emulators. Well, yeah, right. That's a little App bit different Store, than rather. what he's saying, though. Because yeah. what he's saying is, I, I don't. I mean, he maybe he is. I didn't read the full quote. He maybe he is talking about legacy titles, but I think he's talking about making new, new mainline, mainline series right. Pokemon games on mobile devices, which I, I don't think they'd make nearly. I mean, they'd make a lot of money, but I don't think the revenue structure would would replace yeah. the one that well, they have the, now. The yeah. quote in its entirety is the chance of finding success in taking a product made for one platform and bringing it over to another is quite low. So, you know, I think that incorporates, you know, potentially past products as well, since they were designed for, you know, Game Boy Advance and DS and so on and so forth. But just the series as a whole has always been designed for dedicated gaming hardware instead of mobile platforms. But like I said, emulated uh, ROMs of, you know, Fire Red and all that, they're they're extremely popular. So I think Nintendo really easily could release that back catalog and, you know, for whatever, two bucks a pop and make a lot of money. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing, nothing lost gameplay-wise, that's for sure. Yeah. Fingers crossed they can even use the phone's sort of uh, Bluetooth and, like, near-field communication sorts of features to do battles and link trading. Like, it's not impossible, and they've got to be thinking about this on the inside. There's no way they're not. Nintendo is hiring someone to help take down unauthorized games and protect their IP. Essentially someone uh, to keep track of all the unofficial fan games going on online and organize Nintendo's actions against them. So what I found craziest about this is that despite all the bad PR Nintendo's been getting, like to the point where even Sega's like their PR guy is like (laughs) cracking jokes about how bad, you know, Nintendo's PR is right now. Uh is that they advertised this on Twitter. They went on Twitter and said, we're looking for an IP enforcement coordinator. Like, (laughs) what? Oh, man. They they had to know that was not a, a good idea. To be fair, it's a bot. It's a bot posting all their job postings on Twitter. Oh, it's, so it's just not a like bot. Oh. That, that makes like a little bit of sense. 99% sure it's maybe, a bot. Maybe a bot shouldn't handle their, their Twitter for hiring things then. But, um. but regardless, whether it's a person or a bot, it's the same terrible PR. A bot shouldn't be handling their DMCA takedowns. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. But, uh, so, like... Every company has people that, that, well, I shouldn't say every company, every large multi-million dollar company, you know, has people that look out for things like this protecting IP, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to advertise it on social media when people are already upset about, at you about this very subject. Right. You know, I mean, as we've said before, like, fan games are illegal and Nintendo should be responding to them however they see fit. Uh, Lots of companies do this and they have people like that. But to do it so soon after all that fury surrounding the recent takedowns like Pokemon Uranium and AM2R, like, it's just so painfully tone deaf to hire someone like that right now. And then, yeah, of course, to let that go public. Um, I, I just don't know what they were thinking. Honestly, I think I know what they were thinking. 
So a lot of the, one of the sort of unspoken things in this on this issue that doesn't get brought up a lot is right now they tend to have outside law firms doing a lot of this work for them. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they don't get to control the message of what happens around these things. And they certainly don't I get see. to have as much discretion over them as they, as people who have been getting bad PR for these sorts of actions right. would probably want. They want someone who's familiar with Nintendo and can work with them one-on-one from NOA to be able to make sure that the, yeah, they respond that's to them how appropriately. Yeah, that's how I've been reading that this. That makes a lot of sense. Because I don't, I don't get the impression, I get the impression that this is a new position that they didn't have, at least right. not in this capacity before. Right. They probably had some other PR type person maybe working with the the legal firms but but bringing this sort of thing in house especially when they're becoming so focused on uh, expanding their IP and managing their IP in a in a right. sort of more forward thinking modern uh distributed way that's something that's going to be important to them anyway and certainly is going to be really important to them uh in terms of dealing with with sort of fan interactions I mean, this person's obviously going to be obviously going to be coordinating takedowns too. So it's not like, well, yeah, yeah, of course, it's not like it's all positive and sunshine. But <laughs> I think it'll probably be it'll probably be a little bit of a less not less harsh approach, but a little bit of a more Nintendo like approach, perhaps, than we've been seeing. But not that that's yeah, necessarily precisely. a good thing, <laughs> right? And another thing, listeners, to keep in mind is that this kind of stuff really only applies to, like, fan games that can be distributed as standalone packages. So, like, mod packs and, like, ROM hacks and whatnot, in theory, those will never be affected by this stuff since you need an actual copy of the game. Even if that copy is one that you pirated on your computer, you need a copy of it already in order to access those types of content. Well, that is what I've always thought to this point, but I'm not sure how true that holds up anymore. Just because, uh, you know, recently we saw the creator of AM2R say that he couldn't release patches anymore because Nintendo had contacted him. And that would be the same thing as, like, with the, the ROM hacking. In addition to that, I don't believe we've got it in our news feed yet, but the uh, the people from Pokemon, Pokemon Uranium just said the same thing, that they, they can no longer release patches for uh, Uranium either. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really know that that applies because those are still people who are working on fan-created works of things that they made that already infringed on IP, whereas ROM hacks and stuff are editing game files that Nintendo already released and, sold, in theory, sold. Right, but if uh, if they're no longer distributing the, the primary base file that you need, then the patch is just, like, a yeah. few kilobytes of data that does nothing alone. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Nintendo actually... Uh, has legal recourse to shut down these patches, or if they've just sort of reached an agreement with these teams, and in in both cases, they're not going to really discuss it publicly. So, I mean, yeah, honestly, like if anything, I imagine what it is is basically just Nintendo's such a big company; they don't want to be in any sort of legal situation where Nintendo is not happy with them. I imagine it has less to do with the actual nature of distributing patches and more to do with the fact that they know who these people are and they already care, so their eyes are already on them. Does that make sense? They'll send their ninjas. <laughs> um, Pokemon Go lost 70% of its paying players, and it's fallen from its top spot as the top-grossing app in the U.S., but Niantic says there is, quote, a lot more coming to the game this fall. On top of that, they announced that it's, quote, likely coming to Android-powered watches in addition to Apple Watch. It's not all great news, though, because the latest update leaves some Android users unable to use Pokemon Go Plus, which has launched since our last episode, uh, and it locks users on jailbroken phones from accessing the game, leading to many players requesting refunds. Uh, So a lot of people kind of have like a sky is falling attitude about 
uh, Pokemon Go's revenue. And I think we discussed this last week, maybe, or a couple weeks ago. I feel like this is the moment to be worried. Well, I mean, perhaps, but at the same... Like, dropping from number one is is problematic, but they're also number one still in, like, 50 other countries. Okay. And like I've said before, they have the potential to sort of bring in new users if they launch, you know, interesting new features like battling people and uh, adding second-gen Pokemon in and things For like sure. that. But at the same time... Like we've said before, I don't know that I necessarily have the faith that they're going to roll out those features consistently enough and support them consistently enough. Because we already know that Niantic's are uh, working on another game, which kind of leaves me a little cynical yep. in terms of what sort of <laughs> support I think that Pokemon Go is going to get. So, But again, they're still number one in like most of the markets that the game is available in, but dropping from number one in the U.S. is... It, it should be a bit of a, a warning sign to them that they kind of got to get their act together. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, it, it would be a huge shame. I mean, just twofold for the potential that Pokemon Go has uh, to become this really amazing game. And for Niantic's spot as the developer behind the number one grossing app, the top app of all time, you know, to be to mismanage that position when some of these features are so sort of self-explanatory. And, you know, that, that would just be a huge shame to see that sort of... Um, those sorts of management decisions take away from the financial and and creative opportunities that this game has presented the industry. All right. Pokemon is launching a new anime miniseries on YouTube called Pokemon Generations. It's a 12-episode series of videos around four minutes long, telling awesome renditions of assorted stories from throughout the Pokemon game series. You can watch the first two episodes right now. The first is a sort of Pikachu adventure featuring short but amazing moments from throughout the six Pokemon regions. And the second tells the story of Looker and the international police busting up Team Rocket's headquarters in Viridian City in search of Giovanni. Upcoming episodes seem to showcase other events like the Red Gyarados battle at the Lake of Rage, uh, Gary climbing his way up through the Pokemon League, and I hope the battle between Red and Gold in Mount Silver. It'd be a huge missed opportunity if they didn't include Right? Anyway, what do you guys think? I really loved it so far. Yeah! Um, I think my favorite moment was the very beginning of the first episode when they transitioned from the battle screen from the game oh, man, directly into the anime footage. Uh, and, and, and after that, even, the when the Caterpie appeared and then the battle music started playing and the camera angles were just perfect. Uh, oh, yeah. Really and I mean, the transitions between the regions were amazing. Like, all those yeah. little mini stories they told were just so wonderful. This is just awesome in every possible way. Like... I'm not so keen on how short the episodes are because it feels like it really relies heavily on your auxiliary knowledge of the Pokemon games in order to fill in all those niceties of the story that they're telling. Um, I mean, luckily for me, I can fill in all those niceties. And so to me, it's a really wonderful love letter to the stories told in the Pokemon games. And I pray that they turn this into a full-fledged series because that would be a brilliant way to expand and explore the Pokemon lore without letting it intrude on the games in the way that I feel it has the past couple generations. We've talked about story in Pokemon a lot lately. so Yeah, I enjoyed them quite a bit, but like you said, they... Uh... They felt really short to me. Like yeah. if, if these were like ten minute episodes, I'd be really into it. But it's 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 kind of hard for me to really sink my teeth into such short little clips. But 
you know, they've they've got quite a few episodes left, so I'm interested to see what they come up with. As I watched, sort of looking at the new style they've they've applied to all these the, all the characters and just the the whole vibe that they're going for, uh, I find myself really hoping that this come this leads into some kind of like back to the beginning companion game. Oh my god, the conspiracy theories <laughs> don't even get me at started. Least, oh, like a real no. Gen One remake and not just like the enhanced port you might have said that. Uh, that that the old red and green ones got uh, oh yeah yeah um i mean no there's there's all these crazy conspiracy theories out there there's like the pokemon rebirth theory if anyone has two hours watch it it's gonna f- yeah. with your mind <laughs> yeah um yeah no i i totally agree and I, I think it would be a really brilliant move from the pokemon company's end to transition po- the pokemon anime at least its primary sort of focus and culture towards something that's stylistically more like this yeah uh because watching this like everything just all of a sudden was so much more badass yeah and you know i feel i i hear that the last couple seasons of the anime have gotten pretty good um but at least stylistically still the visuals are very like they're they're very rounded and sort of cutesy and that's never what anyone who liked Pokemon, you know, back in 98, 2000, when it was at the height of its popularity, I mean, besides Pokemon Go, which is, of course, why this is a great opportunity for the change. Um, but none of those people really got that into it because Pokemon was cute and a fun world. People got into it because it was a fun world and everything was badass. Yeah, yeah. No, so, agreed. you know, to... to, to shift towards this style and have these sorts of like the sorts of mafia rings and the you know high nightlife casinos i mean that's exactly i think what pokemon needs right now and so i hope that they really go guns blazing as soon as they can on that yeah the pokemon anime is also taking a new twist for the sun and moon series ash is going off to school in the new season and he sets his sights on alola with a goal of graduating from school uh, they released a trailer for it, and it appears the visual style is getting quite a facelift as well. So, you know, this uh, this new style is getting almost universal hate across the internet, and people are just freaking out. Uh, and I'm, I'm not crazy about it, but I think, you know, I've seen a lot of screenshots that are just sort of, uh, like, unflattering stills taken during, like, action moments where, you know, they get, like, a bad frame. But yeah. overall, it doesn't look that terrible, but Ash looks a lot younger, and, you know, he... I don't, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but it, it looks like a, maybe like a more traditional sort of anime style to it. Like, I've been watching a lot of uh, Dragon Ball with my roommate, and it mm. kind of reminds me, uh, his, his look kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Um, you know what it reminds me of? What's that? Yokai Yo-Kai Watch. Yokai Watch. Yeah. yeah, I've seen a lot of people, like, in our comment section say that. And it makes sense that they would sort of try to give him a, a Yokai-like look to compete with that TV market, at least. Well, not just that, but he's in school. Yeah. It's about, yeah. like, and, uh, living in yep. the city, wherever, yep. you know, city in right. Lola he's living in. Like, it's Yokai Watch through and through. I actually kind of like that idea just because, you know, Alola is sort of smaller than the other regions, and it's divided into these, uh, these little I islands. So is. I can kind of see it taking after other anime where it's sort of like a school-based setting, but then the kids go off and go on in, like, some new adventure every episode. So I think that actually kind of works with giving him, like, the younger look and putting him in school, and it'll just be sort of this adventure series where, you know, you're kind of invested in Ash's relationships at school, but at the same time, you know, he's always going off to, like, a new island to discover some new legendary Pokemon or to go on some trial or something like that. So I'm not nuts about the art style, but I think it actually kind of fits with the, the story 
story they're looking to tell and his, his younger look and everything. And the Yokai Watch fans they're trying to attract. Yeah, and the <laughs> trying to court the Yokai Watch fans. It's just such a drastic departure from sort of the previous seasons where he's looked a lot older and the you know the the visuals have been maybe a little more detailed. So mm-hmm. it's it's a weird shift, but if you just if you were to just look at this as like a standalone series, it it's pretty fitting thematically. I just think it's it's weird to transition from last season to this season to see such a big change. Yeah. We got a ton of news for Pokemon Sun and Moon the games as well over the past few weeks, including a few new trailers. The most trivial news is that Professor Oak has an Alolan cousin named Samson, who specifically studies Alolan forms. Of course he does. <laughs> they revealed two forms of an evolution for Rockruff named Lycanroc, one if it evolves in the power of daylight and one if it evolves under the power of the moon, which was later confirmed to mean that Rockruff evolves into one form in Pokemon Sun and the other in Pokemon Moon. In that same batch of news, they revealed two new Pokemon, a Sun-exclusive monkey called Pissimian and a Moon-exclusive orangutan called Oranguru. Love it. Alongside special Z-moves for Pikachu and Eevee called Catastropica and Extreme Evo Boost, respectively. But the earliest of all that is also the biggest Sun and Moon news since last we hit the news block. They revealed two new Ultra Beasts, UBO2 Absorption, which appears primarily in Pokemon Sun, and UBO2 Beauty, who appears primarily in Moon. We've got some screenshots and a new trailer showing these Ultra Beasts in action, so you guys can check those out at Gamnesia. Ben, Alex, what do you guys think? So, when we first saw a look at uh, Samson Oak, uh, it was in a Japanese trailer, and no first name was listed. People were just freaking out because they translated it, and his name was just, you know, Oak. Um, oh, yeah. And everyone, myself included, was making the joke, Oh, look, it's Oak Alolan form. And then the official Pokemon website made that joke. <laughs> I, was, I was so happy. Yeah. I was like, oh, cool, they put up a character page for him. I'm going to go check it. It's like, is this Alolan form Oak? Look, they did <laughs> Of course it is. <laughs> so that yeah. was pretty hilarious. I mean, it just goes to show Pokemon's entire marketing strategy is based on memes. Yeah, not as much as Sonic's, but pretty close. Speaking well, of <laughs> Pokemon strategies based on memes... I saw, like, a bajillion Harambe memes coming out of the new monkeys. Yes. Oh, of course. And Harambe's I... in this rebirth theory, by the way. <laughs> Look it up. Oh, God. <laughs> Tapu Koko's name apparently translates to Spirit Gorilla. <laughs> uh, getting into Illuminati. Koi! Gramps. Anyway, I think my favorite was seeing uh, Eevee's Z-Move and oh my seeing God, how the yes. Eevee evolutions yeah. uh, lend it its power and do that nice uh, power of friendship. And it's it's so overpowered. Cried. It gives you a two-stage stat boost in every stat. Yeah. I mean, it's a Z-Move. That's like insane. <laughs> That's what they do. Oh, man, I can't wait. Well, I wonder, like, will only Eevee be able to use that? Probably, but it'd be so cool imagine. if he could get that on, like, his evolutions. But Yeah, man, I agree. Man, that, that makes Eevee, like, instantly a new beast. <laughs> right? I mean, I think that's part of the point of Z-Moves is to make Pokemon that weren't really traditionally viable, viable. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you uh, slap a light orb on Pikachu and then have him use his new move. Um, let's see. So the new Pokemon, they look they look fine. I'm relatively happy with those. Um, you should cut that line I said because I just realized I'm an idiot. He can't have a hold item and a Z move at the same time. <laughs> I'm going to keep it in. Dang it. No. <laughs> and Ultra Beasts, thumbs down, but you guys already know why. Yeah, I do. I do. These were a little less uh, weird than the last one. 
I don't right. think so. I think they were actually significantly weirder. What? If there was just one Ultra Beast, I would be infinitely happier. <laughs> Fair enough. But because one of them looks exactly like Lusamine and one of them looks nothing like anyone, you know, like, I don't know. It's just weird all over. Finally, Pokemon Bank is being updated to support Sun and Moon as well as the virtual console re-releases of Red, Blue, and Yellow in January 2017. Obviously, Gen 6 Pokemon can't be sent back into earlier generations, and uh, Gen 7 Pokemon as well. But less obvious is that Pokemon sent to Pokemon Bank from the Virtual Console games can't be sent back into the Virtual Console games. So unfortunately, like previous transfer methods, once you send it up into the new generation, it cannot go back. But it's not all bad, though, as the update also gives Pokemon Bank its own national Pokedex, and you'll be able to import the Pokedex data from all your 3DS games into Pokemon Bank's database and keep track of your collective Pokedex there, instead of having to catch them all again and again and again every time. Thanks much, Pokemon Company. That's, like, yeah. one of the most annoying things about the process right now, is you have to transfer everything over, or... Yeah, to the same individual None of it counts. Game. Uh, I mean, the best future I can see for this is is actually letting you get your Pokemon back from Pokemon Bank to the Virtual Console games. It's really disappointing not to be able to do that, but... Alright, now that the news is out of the way, let's head to the lightning round. We've now arrived at the beloved lightning round, where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories, or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at Gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll see all these links. Alright, so first up is recent releases and stuff that's now available for you. On Wii U, Donkey Kong Country Returns and WarioWare Smooth Moves are now available on the eShop, as is the new indie game Severed. On Nintendo 3DS, Dragon Quest VII is available worldwide, while Shin Megami Tensei IV Apocalypse is now available in the US, and Final Fight 2 and 3 are both available on the new 3DS Virtual Console. For mobile, Pokemon Go Plus is now available in most countries. Pokemon Go's latest update lets you ride Pikachu on your back, and you can now get the Super Mario Run stickers and a Pokemon Retro sticker pack on iOS 10. Then we've got a bunch of upcoming dates to look out for. September 24th is your last day to get Victini in the Pokemon games. September 27th, Sonic Boom, Fire and Ice, and Shantae and the Pirate's Curse launch for Nintendo 3DS, and the LEGO Dimensions Harry Potter Pack launches for Wii U. September 29th, Australia gets new Amiibo bundles for Smash 3DS and Fire Emblem Fates, and Azure Striker Gunvolt 2 launches on the 3DS eShop. September 30th, Sonic Boom Fire and Ice launches in Europe. Both versions of Yokai Watch 2 launch for 3DS in North America. SteamWorld Heist launches for Wii U, and Smash Wii U's regular tourney mode is shutting down. On October 1st, Pokemon players can download Keldeo as a mystery gift through Nintendo Network. On October 4th, the next batch of Pokemon Sun and Moon news is coming, and Azure Striker Gunvolt Striker Pack launches on the eShop and at retail. October 7th, Paper Mario Color Splash launches on Wii U, and Europe gets the next wave of Mario Amiibo. October 15th, the first Yokai Watch movie is getting a one-day run in U.S. theaters. October 28th, a special Pokemon Sun and Moon edition new 3DS XL launches, and you can pre-order it now. December 13th, Dragon Ball Fusions launches in North America. January 2017, Pokemon Bank's major update is coming. February, LEGO Dimensions is getting packs for Knight Rider and the LEGO Batman movie. And spring 2017, Shovel Knight's next DLC campaign, Spectre of Torment, launches. For free! Oh my god, finally done with that. And now on to the smaller things that happened this week. Or this past two, oh, I gotta get... Uh, I'll give you a break, I, a, few, uh, a few quotes I, then. Oh, it's okay. I'm out of water, but I think I can pull through, I hope. <laughs> My consonants may get messy, guys. 
Nintendo GameCube turned 15 years old, one year officially passed since Kamishima took the reins of Nintendo. Nintendo sent a Zelda care package to a fan whose brother passed away. Miyamoto assured fans that Super Mario Run will be challenging and said that VR doesn't really fit with how Nintendo wants people to play games. So in the same episode where we praise Nintendo for recognizing a new popular market and saying, hey, we can't just always do things the old Nintendo way, we gotta do what the fans want sometimes, uh, I'm not gonna turn around and say, hey, now they're doing the opposite. And he's saying, we don't want to put games on VR, because that's not the way we want you to play. Isn't the Oculus Rift out? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have not met a single owner just putting that out there. Yeah, it's it's not particularly uh, popular yet. So I don't blame them at all. It's, his rationale wasn't, it's not popular. His rationale was, that's not how we want you to play games. Fair. Yeah. Uh, Platinum Games teased the Bayonetta Amiibo is coming sometime kind of soon-ish. Probably. Microsoft allowed an NES emulator to launch on Windows 10, but not on Xbox One. Sega admitted they lost focus on releasing quality titles last generation. And as someone who attempted to play the Knights game on Wii, I can confirm that this is probably the biggest understatement of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Monster Hunter is getting a Hollywood movie. Capcom is making a sequel to The Great Ace Attorney. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night has been delayed to 2018. Sad day. Nintendo is interested in using Amiibo with their mobile games. Animal Crossing New Leafs Autumn Update will remove all the weeds from your town. Super Mario Maker for 3DS won't support stereoscopic 3D. Dawn of the Devs is an upcoming indie game where you play as parodies of famous game designers, and Miyamoto is one of its stretch goals. Monster Hunter Stories got a gorgeous overview trailer. A new Sonic Boom Fire and Ice trailer gives us a look at Amy Rose. Paper Mario Color Splash is looking great in a new overview trailer, plus some new footage shows our first look at Bowser and his antics. GameStop's offering an exclusive double-sided poster if you pre-order both Pokemon Sun and Moon. The strategy guide for Pokemon Sun and Moon is getting a hardcover edition with a journal, poster, and more. Japan's Pokemon centers are getting awesome merchandise based off the evil teams. Smashified shows us how Ridley would look as a playable Smash Bros. fighter. A gorgeous fan-made trailer shows what Zelda would look like as a Studio Ghibli movie. A huge new mod pack for Super Smash Bros. Brawl is available now, and so is a Smash Wii U hack that makes Sora an alternate skin for Shulk. Someone has already made a mod that recreates Super Mario Run in Super Mario 64. On the flip side, someone's remaking Mario 64 in the engine of Super Mario Galaxy 2, and fans are reviving the haunting beta version of Luigi's Mansion as its own game. 3DS sales are up 83% in the US, and Pokemon 3DS game sales are boosting in Japan, both thanks to Pokemon Go. Someone made a cartoon mashup of Nintendo characters with Star Wars The Force Awakens. Fans think they've discovered who Mario's dad is. Proving once again that Mario games have incredible lore. (laughs) Clearly. EA once tried to make a Pokemon-style game on Nintendo DS, and they also canceled an online-only My Sims 3DS game. And an incredibly elaborate glitch lets you beat the original Legend of Zelda in just four minutes. So, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We are really working hard to make this show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot, and they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. Greatly appreciated. Let's aim for 90. We're at 83. Hopefully by next week we can make it to 90. So get them in. And if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-A-A, and at C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. 
And Ben, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Aramgard. That's E-R-I-M-G-A-R-D. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We got Sony, Microsoft Indie, you name it, and Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. And you can join the Facebook group Nintendo Week Fun Club to chat with us and other listeners about all things Nintendo. On our way out, please enjoy some awesome outro music. I haven't figured out what it is yet, but you can find out who it is in the iTunes description or on our post on the site. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. Sorry trees. Did you just say sorry trees?